0: Ready, Nick? Let's do it. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. Mr. 130 and Mr. Longspur himself, Nick Wilson, are ready to get this thing on and kick it up. We got a fun one for you tonight. Mark Prudom, Mark Prudom Custom Calls, member of the KT team and a title long enough it's going to take me a minute to read it off. Y'all pull up a chair and sit a while. This is going to be a fun one. Nicholas, I tell you what, talking to all these turkey hunters has got me ex- excited. I don't know why. I guess it's something about it. This- I'm just getting contagious for me.
1: I thought I seen some calls up there in your car. Was that, was I mistaken?
0: That wasn't. It was an owl uh, hooter and a uh, coyote oh, That's What was, that, that was. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Yeah, I've been practicing and coyotes with some diaphragms I picked up, uh, so it's going to be Did you keep fun. your eyes open out there when you're bumping them things off a
1: limb when you're going after them coyotes?
0: Drop me some you tears. know, I ain't done that, but one time this year, and it's been in the same spot twice and they like to scare me to death. I thought a pterodactyl had me by the neck. Let's go. <laughs> what? It's we can on, take care of that It's problem. on property that we can't turkey <laughs> hunt. I know that for a fact. So, buddy, it is upon us. Turkey season is here. By now, everybody's been kicking, I don't know, the bushes, knocking them down. Our, our boys in Florida have been driving at home, been knocking them down left and right. Amazing stories coming out of that, and uh, we got some cool stuff that's coming up. We're going to be introducing from Florida, Georgia's underway. I just, I just can't imagine what this year is going to hold for you and the excitement that's
1: around for you yourself. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to get out of the truck and hear that first gobble because I've yet to hear one. My wife's already heard one, and she don't even turkey hunt yet. Yet, you'll have her drug
0: out there this year. Well, without further ado, you know tonight's a pretty good honor for us and probably one of the most recognizable names in the turkey calling world and in call making. I believe you may have a uh, a turkey call by this gentleman that you carry that we've talked about a few times. Probably one of the most beautiful calls that you have in your collection. He is a gentleman that has spent his entire adult life, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about his younger life, in the turkey hunting world. He's done so much for the call making. He's done so much for the calling competitions. He is a 17-time Grand National Champion to include a five-time Owl Hoot Champion a 12-time turkey champion. From 2004 to 2013, he was a six-time team champion with none other than our friend Kerry Terrell. He was the 2021 Tom Turpin trumpet winner for Callmakers. And from 2013 until Nightingale and disbanded, he was a pro staffer with that team. He's a full-time wildlife manager and a great guy to talk to. And tonight, it is our privilege to welcome to Talk About It Outdoors, Mr. Mark Prudham. Hello, Mark.
2: Hey, guys. How's it going?
0: Better now that we're talking to you. I tell you what, I've had to listen to Nick (laughs) blow his tube call trying to learn that thing. And I wish you'd give him some lessons because he sounds like
2: a sick chicken over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can do that. We We can make that happen for sure.
0: Probably get down there to KT team. You and him can get out there behind
1: the bushes and you can whoop him with a stick till he learns it, <laughs> boy. <laughs> I wish I was going down there that week to learn because, boy, they—I think there's what one, two, three, or four or five Grand National champions going to be under the same roof at one time. We wouldn't be. I'd be. <laughs> I'd be sleeping in the truck. I have much Collins going on there. Well, they, you know. Well, they play when the dead man walking, there's a lot of dead turkeys walking. <laughs> <laughs> that's right,
0: that's right. Well, you know, Mark, we sure appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. We know you're a busy guy with your call making and everything getting kicked up for a season. You're a traveling man, and you spend a lot of time in the woods chasing turkeys. And like I said at the beginning of the show, it is indeed an honor and a privilege for you to be here with us tonight. I've heard Nicholas talk about you on multiple occasions, and I've sat here and looked at the call that it, he got from you, that trumpet, And it's recognizable as one of the prettiest calls that I've ever seen. And the craftsmanship that you put into it and the effort that you put into the turkey calling world, I'm not a turkey hunter myself, but I can respect it probably as much as anyone can. And we sure appreciate you being here.
2: Well, I appreciate y'all having me on.
0: Nick, what do you think? We take it all the way back to the beginning right out of the gate and see where where Mr. Mark got his, his story in the woods. That's right. So Mark, go ahead, take us back to when you as a kid, tell us a little bit about, well, growing up and I I think you're from South Carolina and you said you was a flatlander, but tell us a little bit about that.
2: (laughs) Well, um, my family's originally from Louisiana. Um, that's where my parents and all, and my family's from and, but I've lived in South Carolina since I was, you know, real small and, uh, done a good bit of hunting in Louisiana and, uh. I started off, I guess, like most people, squirrel hunting, following my dad through the woods. He always took me. I'd I'd wait after school for him to get home, and we'd hit the woods. And uh, we had some good times, learned a lot from him, um, a tremendous woodsman and hunter. And, uh, you know, started deer hunting. We didn't have any turkeys um, when I was, you know, younger. Um I started turkey hunting in the the Francis Marion forest because where I lived didn't have a season. That was the only place that there actually was turkeys, And, uh, you know, Francis Marion is one of the, I mean, it's been noted as one of the purest strains of wild turkey there is. And uh, I got beat up by them pretty good down there and learned a lot. Um, So I kind of learned from the school of hard knocks with uh, public land birds and um and you know a lot of people um you know you'd have to have to get down there at three o'clock in the morning to get a spot and, and then you, you better not go too far because you run into somebody but um as you know turkey started um getting more and more um in in our area, I started turkey hunting a, a good bit more on some private land and um, kind of took what I learned from from getting beat up by them public land birds and, and started doing pretty well and doing some guiding and stuff like that. Um, and been turkey hunting probably 30, 35 years or more.
0: You've been turkey hunting as long as I've been
2: alive.
1: <laughs> I don't. Yeah. I don't know that we've had anybody on from South Carolina, have we?
0: No, not that I'm not. That if I'm forgetting, I apologize to him. If you're listening to it, but this may be our first South Carolina. You a Gamecock fan? I guess.
2: No, I'm a Clemson man.
0: All right. Well, I get on board with that. That both had that team doing <laughs> pretty good over the years.
2: <laughs> well, my son just graduated from Clemson, and uh, I, I feel like I, you know, paid for the football team. <laughs>
1: Mark did you did you ever do any deer hunting over there in South Carolina because I know it's pretty tough country over there and there's a there's a lot of hogs over there in that country too correct
2: yeah in, in places I do a lot of deer hunting I mean I deer hunt uh I won't say I go every day um I don't usually hunt on Sunday but other than that I I, I do a lot of deer hunting and and yeah. uh, and have for a long time but um really that's something I really enjoy also in I like to bow hunt. I, I shoot a recurve, and it's, it's just a lot of fun. You ever run them with dogs over, there, Mark? I started off, but my very first deer hunting experience uh, was running dogs in Louisiana, and then running dogs here. You know that's that's not as uh, it's, it's not as many people doing it as it used to. Um, as land, you know, has changed and tracks of land have gotten smaller, and everything but um yeah i mean that was that was a tradition back in the day to you know every everybody around here that's that's how you hunted you you dog hunted in the morning and during the day and you might still hunt in the afternoon
0: yeah and those dog hunters have have kind of gotten a bad rap over the years you know people look at them like oh man they're they're running deer off my property running this running that but that's a tradition that people don't realize it. it doesn't get talked about enough in my opinion and it's I tell you what, it's a blast to go. I got to go down to South Georgia last year and do it for the first time in a long time, and I tell you what, it's, it's a lot harder than people make it out to be.
2: Oh, yeah, it's a lot of excitement. Um, you know, KT's got them beagles. He turns loose, and, uh, and uh, man, that's, that's
1: exciting. I didn't know Kerry run deer dogs.
2: Yeah,
0: we talked about that. You didn't hear us talking about that
1: down there, him must, wanting us to come down? I must have missed that.
0: They killed the biggest buck that they've ever, I believe Kerry said, that they've ever killed in front of a pack of dogs last year.
1: I did not know that. That's interesting. Biggin. What, are you, what do you think about, you didn't even, I got you a plug at the front for some deer hunting and we on turkey season. <laughs> well, I, hey, I like that.
0: Hey, hey, I'm all about it. And, and I like the thought process behind it, but. You know, we
1: only got a short amount of time on Mr. Mark. You better stay on the turkeys. We're right in the middle of I it. I do want to ask real quick about talking about dogs. Is South Carolina, do they, do they mess with turkeys with dogs? No, no. Okay. I was thinking I read somewhere one time that they done that. Does South Carolina have a fall season?
2: They don't. I think they used to a long time ago, but um, they don't anymore. You know, most of the – the dog huntings is fall, and that's you know more up north and Ohio and other places.
1: Alright uh, Mark. So most people's going to know you by your calling competition stuff. When did that get started for you?
2: You know, I I think I think the first contest that I ever went to. You know, I had already killed some turkeys and and I felt like I was a pretty good turkey hunter and turkey caller and. I actually uh, went to a contest and didn't realize it was the the South Carolina State Championship and the uh, World Friction Championship. And, man, I walked in there and paid my money and looked around, and there's Walter Parrott and Matt Moret and uh, all these guys that had uh, won the World Championship and everything else. And it, It's just unbelievable you know, looking around that room and I, you know, and I, I, I was a little intimidated, but I did terrible. I mean, I called awful and, um, it was, it was one of those deals where I shouldn't have been there and I needed a lot more practice, but, um, it's time. And I, I actually took some time off from calling and, um, I took about a year or a year and a half and I didn't compete in any contests. And then I, I think I won my first contest, believe it or not, in the infield in the Darlington Raceway at a contest. Really? Yeah. That, <laughs> How'd
0: y'all
1: hear him, Turkey? you yeah. all over on him race cars. Well, I was, I was going to say, I, I bet it didn't sound – I mean, it probably didn't sound as good as it does in a room being out there in the open. So it was probably no, a little different judging for them.
2: Yeah. And, 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 you know, it wasn't a race weekend. It was some kind of a deal they had. It, that was a long time ago, but – um. But I remember it and um and it was in the infield of Darlington raceway um I remember the first the first time I went to the South Carolina state contest um I did pretty well um but you know it just I kept wanting to do better and better and and I'll never forget the the first time I won the South Carolina state, I had a guy with me, and uh and I didn't feel like I had won the contest. And I told him, I said, "We need to get that trophy and get out of here before somebody adds, re- redoes the score, and figures <laughs> it out."
0: Nick, I might have finally found a way to win a turkey calling competition. Find out what weekend Darlington's going on. Set it up a fire while the race cars is going. You won't be able to hear how bad oh, I God. am. <laughs> the, who,
1: who was your um, influence to kind of like get you into that? Mark, did you? Find somebody online that you liked at the t- well, I guess they didn't did <laughs> have nobody online then. <laughs> no, but. Um but what was what inspired you to do that?
2: Um, you know, back then it, it was, you know, you'd see some people in magazines and things like that. And I guess the the only real turkey caller that I knew of at that time was well, you know, Dick Kirby and Preston Pittman. And, uh, I was ordering calls from Preston Pittman and, uh, you know, that was back when you, you call the shop and, you know, telling me you, you wanted whatever you wanted and then they'd mail it to you. And, uh, so I was, I swear I was getting my calls from and, uh, you know, I would, I'm telling you, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I wasn't anywhere near ready. I'd have to. Uh, they'd ask for the key-key run, and I'd flip the call over and key on it and then flip it back over and yelp on it. So, um, yeah, I started off at the bottom, that's for
1: sure. When you went to that calling competition for the first time and they were asking key- for a key-key run, did you know what that was?
2: Yeah, but I wasn't prepared to do it. I, I was kind of thinking, you know, it was kind of in the spring, and I, I kind of figured that they were just going to ask for yelping and cutting. Yeah, and, uh, I, I wasn't prepared for for all the other calls.
1: You know, it's funny because I, I reason I asked that because Strickland tells a story about the first calling competition he ever went to, and he said I thought I was a pretty good caller and got there, and they had Kiki run. <laughs> he said that guy I was with. He said I turned around, that guy was gone. <laughs> <laughs> he done bailed out. <laughs> he said yeah. he he finished second to last behind a seventy something year old man that didn't know what a Kiki run was either. <laughs>
2: so i I guarantee you my first contest i was i was dead last and uh and should have been
1: well I, i think things like that though that you if you don't push yourself in it it don't make you want to do better in life and i think that goes with anything you got to push yourself to make yourself better so
2: it lit a fire under me and um i'm i'm a very competitive person i used to race motocross and all that kind of stuff when i wasn't hunting and and uh I like to win, and I knew that I wasn't prepared to win. So I went back and went to work and um, and started progressively getting better. And as I um, learned more and listened to some more of these other guys and then really started listening to wild turkeys um, more and more, you know, back, back in those days, I had a cassette tape with Lovett Williams and, um, the real turkey, and I'd stick that thing in there, and everywhere I'd go, I'd listen to that cassette tape and just listen to to real wild turkeys and, and try to mimic those.
0: And I think that's one thing that Matt said. Don't chase callers, chase turkeys when you're trying to learn how to competition call or call in general.
2: Oh, yeah, no doubt. Um, there's no substitute. We're listening to real turkeys. You know, you could hear somebody else call, and that's just their rendition of the turkey. You know, if you wanna if you wanna be a turkey, you gotta learn from the turkey. And, uh, I don't think any of us will ever achieve perfection. You know, uh, you can you can pick a wild turkey in out of a, a group of callers um, any day. Um, you know, all we can do is is try to be the best we can be, but. You know, those, those the real thing is, 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 you know, as good as it gets.
1: So when you started off, Mark, you were using uh, mainly mouth calls. Is that correct?
2: I was, I, I guess I killed my first turkey with a, uh, with a glass call. And, uh, I was hunting in the rain and, uh, I, I remember I had a diaphragm, but he answered the, the glass call. So, Oh, that's what I stuck with. But I pretty much stuck with diaphragm calls for for a long time, and I, I didn't use a lot of friction calls. And um, and then I started running trumpets, and now that's pretty much all I use to trumpet the tube call hunting or you know any any time really.
1: Where were you first introduced to the trumpet call?
2: Well, KT told me. That I need to be running a trumpet, uh, turkey hunting. And I, you know, I was like, nah, I, don't, I, can, I can kill any turkey that's going to come to me with a diaphragm. And, and he told me, he said, you're missing out. That trumpet is, uh, is something, you know, that they, they can't stand it. And uh, so I actually entered the champion of champions contest. And in that contest, you had to run five different calls. And a, a trumpet or a wing bone was one of those calls. And I, uh, I had to, I had to learn it. And, it. and it made me, you know, try to be better at it. And, and I never was 100% satisfied. I had some really good calls, but I, I wanted, I wanted to run a call that I built. So that's why I started building calls. And, uh, the last year that I won the champion of champions, 2013, I was running one of my calls, so that was that made it even better.
0: And, and you said that the last time you won was with something that you had created. What a what an achievement that must have been for you know for fulfilling your your dreams and your goals.
2: Well, yeah, you know, um, anytime you make something yourself and and win a contest with it or kill a turkey with it. You know, I really enjoy loading my own shells. And um I load um, for, I, I shoot old double barrels. That's mostly what I shoot. And most of the time, those guns, you know, most of them are a 100 years old. So I have to shoot low-pressure shells, so I load all those myself. But to kill a turkey with a a call that you made and a shell that you loaded, um, it it does add something to it.
0: I guarantee you. Then, you know, I think that goes hand in hand with setting goals for yourself. And anyone could take from that. If you want to do something, do it to the best of your abilities. Now, not everyone can build a call. Not everyone can run a call. Not everyone can make shells. But when you set goals for yourself, it gives you an opportunity to. To be able to really fulfill them In the long run And that's that's a pretty awesome achievement To hear you say And hats off to you on that Because I guarantee you're one of the only ones out there It seems like probably using an old double barrel steel Everybody swapped up these 20 gauge Lightweight TSS shells And everything oh, I, feel like call- I feel like you're calling me out Alex <laughs> <laughs> Well it ain't you yeah. it's, it's everybody
2: <laughs> Well you know I don't want to be a hypocrite I'm, I, I have nothing against um i've used you know three and a half inch magnum tss for a red stock sight, and you know all that kind of stuff i'm not opposed to it it's just uh i just really enjoy calling them in close and and just sitting there with a hundred year old gun in your hands wondering you know what 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 kind of history it has and how many turkey hunts has been on before you and that kind of thing, especially, you know, something that my my grandfather or great-grandfather had. It just makes it a lot better.
1: And that's a 20, or excuse me, a 12-gauge?
2: Yeah. Where
1: did you, where were you first introduced to Kerry Terrell at, Mark, and how did that relationship come about?
2: Kerry, um, I think the first time I ever saw Kerry was at the South Carolina State Contest, and um, he and I were, I think we were owl hooting against each other and well I guess we were calling turkey calling too but um you know the the very first time I ever met Kerry, um I liked him right off the bat. You know, Kerry just a good old country boy and and uh we got to talking and um I entered the actually entered the team competition in two thousand and three, I think it was, with a different partner and um and then I think the next year he couldn't do it. And, and Carrie said, why don't we team up? So, um, we, we kind of got closer and we ended up calling together and talking on the phone a lot, of course, trying to get, get everything squared away for the contest. And, uh, we just became friends. I mean, he's, he's just like a brother to me at this point And, and, uh, enjoy spending time with him and, um, hunting with him for sure. I'm going to tell you, he's a, he's an unbelievable caller, and uh, he's an even better person. But, uh, yeah, he's he's one of my all-time best buddies.
0: And and rightfully so. You may, you hit the nail on the head. He's, he is an amazing caller, but the man is, uh, and we've said it time and time again, he's a friend that we should all exemplify to be with the friendship that he's put into everyone including yourself but most especially in Jason Beard.
2: No doubt, you know um, Jason's been an inspiration to me. I mean when when Kerry told me he was taking Jason turkey hunting, you know I I knew I was I, I couldn't I couldn't believe I mean they were killing turkeys and I was like, "Man, they and then I found out, you know what it was all about when i actually went with them and what it takes to get you know to, to get anybody in the woods that that has a uh you know a need that you know they just need some help they they can do it um but once once you um, you know once you get in the woods you don't realize everything that went into just getting them to that point
0: we went to bed that morning. We was down there. I think at three o'clock. I kept Carrie up talking his ears off, and we went to bed. We was back up at four, four thirty, and from loading the truck to getting the van ready to everything that goes into it. To I mean, I think there was five of us that went to the blind that morning and rolled in there and got to got to sit behind Carrie and Jason and watch it all go down and unfold. And we've said it time and time again you hadn't watched the videos go over to the KT team and check them out they're on their YouTube page but keep an eye on the on the other pages as well for shares and things like that the what goes into it because you really have no idea until you experience it and we were blessed enough to do that last year and going to be blessed enough to go down there and, and be a part of that again and it is an inspirational time more so than anything
1: well you know Mark takes these mark takes these tube calls and he takes these trumpet calls and he sells them through. The KT team. When did you start doing that, Mark?
2: Well, as far as the trumpets, um, you know, I've donated some to them, and they've they've auctioned them off and things like that. Okay. But I wanted to do – I can't make very many trumpets. I just can't get get them done. But I wanted to do more, so uh, I kind of developed that tube call, and I wanted it to kind of be the KT team tube. And the KT team tube is it's a little bit different, and it's uh, it doesn't have a a lip stop, you know, like a lot of them, and um, so it, it's different, and it gives it, it gives them opportunity to, you know, I I guess what what they do is uh, I send them to them, and they um, sell them on their website, and and uh, they've done pretty well with them so far.
1: Going, I'm sitting here actually looking at this tube call now, Mark. Where did you get the idea in behind and trying to design it in the way you wanted to? What did you not like about the other ones that you had ran in the past?
2: Um, I like I like all tube calls. I like tube calls. Uh, Knight and Hale, actually, I mean, Harold Knight had a tube call. He was selling in 1970 or so out of, out of his barber shop and uh, i actually have one of those that that uh, i got from Harold but the thing is um most of those calls have a smaller opening and i just felt like i was limited on the sound that i could get out of them and uh i made uh, i made the hole a little bigger and uh there's a couple of little tricks to it it's it's more to it than than just you know something with a hole in it um and and then I started running a uh a thinner latex than than a lot of people like to put on tubes. And uh it's a uh it's it's a little bit different, um and and that's kinda what makes it good I guess, um, just being the the, the diameter and the length and everything. A lot of a lot of tubes are 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 a little bit longer and um, make gives it kind of a bugly sound. And this one's a little bit more open and uh I think you're just able to get a little more rasp out of it.
1: Most of our listeners that that will listen to this podcast, Mark, probably really don't know what a tube call is. Most of you know, a lot of them are turkey hunters, but they may not know. I'll let you describe this the best way you can because I would probably describe it as an old film canister for people that knows what that is. But describe this thing in your best your best ability, Mark.
2: Well, you know, people used to use film canisters and um pill bottles, things like that and they take the lid and they'd cut half of the, the lid out so it was kind of a half moon shape and, uh, and stretch a piece of latex across that and, um, and you blow on it and the, the one that, that I've got is um, a little larger than that and has a larger opening and uh, it doesn't have a lip stop so instead of a half moon it's just the whole thing so the latex only covers half of it and it allows you to get your lip more inside the call and you can change the angle and a lot of times changing the angle will give you rasp or tone. you know you can you can turn that call up a little bit and and get it a little higher pitch, turn it down a little bit and get it a little deeper and uh, it just it's just more versatile.
1: I seen you and Harold Knight on that video that you guys done at NWTF, and they they have one of these Alex, and they run it like a they run it. It's a goose call, right? So you can buy yeah. the, you can buy this either a turkey call or a goose call, and yeah,
2: <laughs> um, I'm, I just developed the goose call. Um, of course, I mean I didn't invent it or anything. Harold won the world goose calling contest in I think 1979 on a tube call, and. He can act absolutely sound like a goose and and I always told him i said I, I've got to learn that and and he tried to show me and tried to show me and and I finally listened to him and uh and I fooled with it, and I finally got it. I'm not as good as he is with it, but um i I wanted to get his approval on it. I actually sent um a turkey call tube and a goose tube to him and I had a couple different variations and I kind of wanted to get his approval on it and uh and he loved it. And he told me he said you you got a home run here and I went and spent some time with him at his house and we uh we tried some different things and you know he's a master at um at knowing what a call needs to to make it better. And uh I knew when when he liked it that I was going to be okay.
0: First time I seen you carrying that thing around, you know what it reminded me of? I don't know. A superhero. Got a cape on it. Made a big P on the back of it with a circle around it. Prudem Superhero Turkey Killer Magnum calls or something. They'd come up with something. Just a tube call ain't going to work, Nick. Now we're going to spice this thing up a little bit.
1: <laughs> I do got a question on this tube call, Mark. Um, I guess that's what that rib right there is for, to put a rope around it. The the rib right around, right below the O ring is that to put yeah. a, to put a lanyard yeah. around it.
2: Yeah, and then I've got it where um, Harold likes uh, a, like a rubber band, a flat rubber band instead of an O ring. So I made that thing so that you could put a flat rubber band around it or an O ring. That and that was to satisfy him because and it makes sense. Some people like that. The the rubber band kind of keeps the the latex from moving as much Mm -hmm. so it it works a little bit better like that
0: do you think nick that the call and, and i compare this to my coyote hunting okay i go and coyote hunt and i'm always looking to play sounds that are different than anyone else using a tube call or a trumpet call in an area that's inundated with callers do you think it gives you an advantage I do. Because you're playing a different sound, essentially. Yeah. Is that kind of the premise behind changing it up and using different types of calls out there, Mark?
2: Well, I, I guess any time that you can sound a little different um, than what everybody else is, I think that's probably good. But the goal is to sound like a turkey, and, uh, you know – it maybe you know a, a guy running a box call it, or something like that just a tube call is just a little different the main thing that i think a tube call is good for is volume um it's just a louder call it's the perfect complement to a trumpet because a trumpet is a little a little softer i mean you can run a trumpet loud and the sound carries but you know if if it's windy or if I'm trying to strike a bird, I'll pull that tube call out and try to get a response out of that. And if I do, I'll usually switch to the trumpet. Um, and, th- I mean, that's just me. You could call the bird all the way in with the tube. But it's it's generally, not always, I can set one up to call soft and purr and things like that. But generally, you know, it's better for loud, aggressive style calling
0: now through your turkey hunting mark have you traveled out of the southeast and went to other parts of the country and chased merriam's or rio's
2: you know i mean i've hunted i've hunted tennessee kentucky and um you know places like that but i told somebody the other day i i really i'm not saying it doesn't interest me but um I've just never really had a desire to go out west or to shoot a Miriams or a Rio. Um I mean they're all just turkeys, you know, they're the same thing, but I can get beat up by Eastern right here at home. Right. You know, it's not like it's not like these are easy and I need a challenge, um, for sure. These these birds here, you know, <clears throat> probably some of the hardest that I've hunted in Alabama and South Carolina and I mean in some places in Georgia they're they're tough and uh you know David Hale said one time if you want to kill a grand slam kill 5 easterns so, and there you go he, he, he's right and uh I'm not saying that any of the rest of them are easy it's just I've had a lot of opportunities to hunt Mexico and and Rios and Miriams and Ghouls and Osceolas. I have killed an Osceola. I went down there and, and did that, but um I, I'm just kind of a homebody. I really enjoy hunting with family and in places that I've always hunted.
1: Well, since you brought up David Hale, I think it's we are getting get into story time. What you think? No, I want to hear. I think I think he's got some, no, I I wanna, he's wanna got some good he's old Had story. enough time to think about one. <laughs> I think, tell us a good one, Mark. <laughs>
2: Well, we, I tell you one time I was hunting with Harold and David and, uh, you know, like I say, I'm a flatlander and, uh, I went out there and we were hunting, I don't, I mean not mountains, but it was pretty steep and, uh, we made a turkey gobble way down in the bottom and we, we started after that turkey, me and Harold and David, we walked down seemed like 30 minutes we just went straight down the side of this thing and i i got about halfway down there and i'm thinking you know how in the world am i gonna get these two old guys out of (laughs) here and we didn't we didn't do anything with the turkey i don't know what happened but on the way back i got about halfway up and i was like how in the world are these two guys gonna get me out of (laughs) here (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh you're just hunting you're hunting
1: so, a tree to pull on <laughs> now i'm
2: telling you they're like goats and uh and i was you know i'm a, i'm a good bit younger than them but man they can go
1: so it, it ain't the it ain't chasing the merriams out west for you it's the hills you don't want to climb with it <laughs> <laughs> maybe
0: <laughs> oh that's and you know you talk about those older generation guys that They just tough They ain't no other way to put it I've hunted with some of them old timers Think ain't no way this joker's gonna out walk me And by the end of the day I'm whining about my feet hurting He's like man I'm ready to turn loose a dog Let's go at
2: night (laughs) Yeah that's exactly right
1: I know it's hard to flip a switch Mark And just fix everything that might be going on Or might not be going on in the turkey industry right now But from the time you grew up To whatever you've seen throughout your life in In the turkey woods and every spring what do you think that we need to get back to more off more and do better job at? So there will be turkeys 15, 20, 40 years down the line.
2: Well, you know, I think technology has turned us into a a different kind of hunter. Um, I'd like to see people just get back to the basics and learn how to, how to Turkey hunt. And, uh, I think a lot of people are, you know, super dependent on, um, you know, tight chokes and, um, TSS and full strut decoys and blinds and everything. And, you know, you got an app on your phone to tell you how far he is, where you are. And, you know, I used to stumble around in the swamp, half lost and, and, uh, try to figure out where I was and call turkeys in close N- not saying there's anything wrong with any of that but i think that a lot of times people are really dependent on that stuff and i'd, I'd like to see people kind of get back to woodsmanship and um, and try to you know get back to the basics
0: you hit the nail on the head right there with that woodsmanship comment and i'm as guilty as anybody is it takes away from learning fortunately i grew up with the old ways as most people in their 30s 40s 50s whatever did you get down to these guys that are getting into the industry now first thing they grab is an app on their phone and they want to see what's going on with it and i think this platform yours anyone out there we could do a better job of teaching woodsmanship instead of promoting the easy way out yeah
2: no doubt i think uh you know, growing up, squirrel hunting and things like that. Uh, you know, trying to walk quiet and be be quiet, and sit still. You know, all those things are kind of a dying art.
0: Do you think it makes us less appreciative of the of the woods, Mark?
2: I think it does to a certain degree. You know, uh, when when things are easy, you don't tend to appreciate them as much and not saying that turkeys, you know, turkeys is sometimes tougher than, than they used to be. Um, but you know, it, it's definitely, um, with, with everything there is now, it's it's easier to, to be successful. You know, you don't have to call them as close. You don't, um, uh, you don't have to hide as, I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of things that make it, um, make the success rate
1: go up it's hard to put a finger on just one thing because there's multiple things and and we're guilty of it but i think we all evolve and the older we get we find out that we've done things back then that we don't want to do anymore or things that we need to start doing better at so i think that just comes with age and just getting experience out there and what you're doing and then you start seeing young people start growing up and you're like why are you doing that i you know even though you used to do it maybe 15 years ago and now you're like why are you doing that don't do that you know get better at this because this is how i this is why i learned not to do that and um i don't know i'm with you mark south carolina didn't they just ban decoys on public land
2: uh i don't think so but i'm not i'm not sure i don't hunt uh public land anymore okay so i I didn't I, i haven't heard that but i mean it could be
1: i think it was either north or south carolina i don't remember which one but i believe they banned all use of uh decoys from public land
2: which yeah i don't think it was south carolina but i
1: could be wrong okay okay mark um if you had um just one piece of advice to give a to give um a hunter a turkey hunter let's say a turkey hunter if you had just one piece of advice what would be one solid piece of advice you would give that turkey hunter
2: I, I would say, uh, you know, calling is great, but uh, I, I would say learn patience. Um, patience will kill more turkeys. I can't tell you how many times I have sat down and not even knowing there's a turkey there, you know, just cold calling. Sit down and I may call for 30 minutes or more. And then all of a sudden one's gobbled right in front of me and didn't, didn't, you know, was hoping there was a turkey there. But I think a lot of times, you know, nowadays people expect instant success. Everything has to be instant and patience will kill a lot of turkeys. If you just sit down and be quiet um, or be still and, and call, I, I think a lot of times you, you getting up and walking out on turkeys that may be slipping into you
1: gotcha
0: Mark I got a question that's come to mind and I guess it goes back to talking to Matt Van VanSyce as well when you were in the calling competition hot and heavy and you walked into a competition who was the one guy that you I don't want to say hated but dreaded <laughs> seeing show up more than anybody probably Matt Van yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you know, it was Matt Van Sice and Chris Parrish. Um, and, 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 you know, don't get me wrong. All those guys are friends of mine and then they're all fantastic callers. But you know, when you, when you walk in and you know they're going to be there, but you see them and you know, you got to step up your game. I tell you, I was, uh, I was second at the U S open behind Chris Parrish. I would have won the U.S. Open that year. I was second behind Billy Yargis, who's another tremendous caller. And I was second at the World behind Matt. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, these guys just stay home one time. But uh, it was was always somebody. You know, there was always somebody at, at one time or another that was, you know, on fire and... But like I say, those guys are, um, tremendous callers and you know, my hat's off to them. Um, and they've all, I mean, Matt built calls for me before the contest. I'll never forget him building me a cut and call in the motel room the night before the contest. And then I beat him the next day. Oh
0: man. (laughs) Now that's the kind of stuff I like to hear.
2: And, you know, the thing is, is he was fine with it. You know, he didn't like to lose, but, um, you know, I, I think about that and I'm, I'm like, you know, that, that's a, that's a good guy that'll, that'll sit there and help somebody. And, uh, even though that it may cost him, you know, the first place and, you know, Chris Parrish made, made some diaphragm calls for me and I competed with him and, uh, Jim Pollard one time handed me a, a call right out of his um, call bag and said, Here, run this. I went in the bathroom, washed it off, and, and ran it for two or three years in contests after that. You know, those guys helped me along the way, and, um, you know, they didn't have to. And that's, that's one thing I think that makes calling so great is, um, is the, the people. I don't I, even mentioning Carrie. Carrie made me calls and Carrie even made my first call press so I could make my own call. So you know there's a there's a lot of good people out there in the in Turkey Calling for sure.
0: It's funny to hear you say that story about Matt Van Sis because it kinda gives a narrative. If a man can build you a call and he beats you with your own call, it gives you somebody to chase. Now Matt's chasing Mark, trying to figure out how to make that call sound as good as he did, you know. And I mean, that goes with anything.
2: Well, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I've pretty much been chasing him, for, for, <laughs> right? I don't know if he ever chased me, but um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just some good people in, in calling. That's for sure.
1: Well, he had some very kind words for you. He said you were the best all-around caller for anything that you picked up. And you, do you competition calling anything else other than turkeys?
2: Yeah, I actually, um, I've won the South Carolina State Duck Calling Contest and Blue in the World Duck Calling. I won South Carolina State Goose and um, and actually competed in the NRA Contest years ago, which – you had, to, you had to do seven different um, animals. So you had to do deer, elk, coyote predator, turkey, owl, goose, and duck. And uh, it, it about killed me because I'm kind of a perfectionist when it comes to calls and calling. And I would practice duck for a week, and then I'd practice goose for a week, and then I'd practice elk. And, uh, and it took a lot, it took a lot out of me. And, um, and then I was still turkey calling at the same time. So, you know, those things were, were, uh, it was tough. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And putting the time into all of those different things, that's one reason, you know, I kind of, after 2013, I kind of stopped calling because I was putting so much pressure on myself. And, um, it gets to where you, you, um, you know, your stress level goes up. If you care anything about it, you're, you know, you're stressed about it. And if you want to win, you have to put as much energy and effort into it as you can. And, uh, you know, I I really enjoyed being retired from competition calling and doing a little judging and stuff like that.
1: How is it being on the other side doing the judging now?
2: I wish I'd judge more stuff earlier because I've learned more from judging and listening than I ever did on the stage.
1: Isn't that what I've Matt heard, said too? Yeah,
2: that's
0: exactly what he said.
2: I've heard things that, that I wish that I knew, you know, when I was calling and, uh, it, there's a lot of things that you think you sound like, but it doesn't come across that way. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things that you can add to a calling sequence or scenario that'll get you points, and uh, a lot of people don't realize that. But getting under that curtain or behind the curtain, it, it makes a big difference. You know, sometimes you hear lips and latex, and um, that that'll anything that takes your mind away from a real wild turkey. Um, you don't realize that you're doing it when you're up there, but you can hear it. And I hear friction guys a, a lot. You know, I hear a lot more in friction, like clucking and purring. Everybody can cluck and purr on a pot call, but there's only a handful that actually sound like a turkey clucking and purring. And it's hard to describe it until you get under there and you listen, you know, closing your eyes and listening to it. You can really tell the difference. Mm-hmm.
1: Who's the top three in the Who's the top three in the world right now? You think in 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 the open. No well, particular no particular order.
2: In no order, I mean, uh, Matt Van Sice for sure is is in there. Jesse Martin for sure, and uh, you know there's there's just there's guys that can step it up. You know, Josh Grossenbacher could step up at any time and win that championship. He's, he's right there. And there's guys that are so close that it just comes down to the judges. You know, they're, they're maybe not any better or any worse. It just comes down to to what those judges want to hear on that day.
1: I've heard this in the past on some of these calling competitions that I guess several years ago, if they asked for a cluck and a purr, that's all they would judge off of. But now, I forgot, I think Joe Drake told us at NWTF. When they ask for a cluck and per noun, if these guys throw something extra in there, does that throw you off when you're trying to judge these things, Mark? Or, or do you take points off because they throw something in there to try to hide something else?
2: No, I don't. Um, but if what they do doesn't complement the call that was asked for, you know, if they, if, if the call is cluck and purr and, and they do some real light yelps with it and it, and it matches and it sounds like it goes with it, then, then yeah, I'll score. Um, I'm going to score. I'm going to weigh pretty heavy on the cluck and purr, but if it, if it adds to it and it makes that cluck and purr better, yeah, I'm going to score better. It, but on the other side, if they throw something in there that doesn't sound like what a turkey would do during a cluck and purr, you know, cluck and purr is a content, soft sound, you know. And if they start throwing in some, some harsh stuff that doesn't belong, I'm going to have to cut them. Um, any, anything you add is, is being judged as well. So a mistake or something that doesn't match, definitely.
1: Okay. Matt, is there, I mean, I'm sorry, Mark, is there anybody that you haven't, either past or present, that you haven't hunted with that you'd like to go hunting with?
2: Mm. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people that I'd love to hunt with. Um, but, you know, I, honestly, I, I really enjoy hunting with, with my dad and, and my son. That's the the two that, that I'd rather hunt with than anybody, but I'm, I enjoy, I enjoy hunting with, with friends and family. Um, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, I've hunted with, with a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, as long as there's turkey gobblers, I'm, I'm ready to go with anybody.
1: <laughs> well, um, Mark, i I got one more question after this right here, but, um, stay on the line when we finish this. I just want to th- say thank you for coming on and taking the time out this afternoon. But lastly, from me, what are you most thankful for?
2: Well, I think uh, I thank God for the opportunity to hunt the wild turkey and to be in the woods. Um, it's a uh, it, you know it's something that a lot of people take for granted. And I look at the KT team and, and Jason Beard and those guys, and you know it's easy to take a lot in the outdoors for granted. And, uh, it, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I can go and, and just get to do it one more time.
1: Great answer. Amen. I'm, I'll just, again, I appreciate you coming on. Alex?
0: Yeah. Like you said, Nick, it, it's been a, been an honor and a privilege to, uh, to speak with you tonight, Mark. And the knowledge that you bring to the table, it, it can't be undone and, and can't be overlooked. But, the humbleness that you bring to to everything you approach is is pretty pretty inspiring to for a guy that don't really turkey hunt to listen to it's it's awful nice to hear and I'll tell you one thing I, I hear in his voice is just like what Matt v- Van Sy said it's that drive it's that passion it's that no quit always want to win attitude that makes him successful and I think that that really resonates with me for the the winners in all anything we do you got to have a drive and you got to have a passion and With that, Nick, it brings us down to the final spit of the night. And for 35 years, Mark's been a turkey hunter, a big-time deer hunter, and running dogs was where he got started out. And now he dons a longbow chasing them. He's won countless titles, opportunities to hunt with some of the best in the industry and call against them. And he won his first calling competition in Darlington Speedway, where we might like to listen to race cars, but at one time in his life, he liked to listen to a turkey call play. He's accomplished goals he's set forth and now finds himself enjoying the retired life, judging and learning from the other side. It goes to show you that you can never stop learning no matter where you go. And for everyone here at Talk About It Outdoors, we want to thank Mark Prudham, and we want to thank everyone that listened to this episode. We hope you got something from it and we hope you'll come back and be with us again. So remember, smile as you go and don't forget, Mount the Memories.